It's my privilege to introduce our preacher for this morning. He is our district superintendent, uh, so he is the pastor for the, for the clergy, like Stacy and myself, and uh, also the supervisor. So this is my boss. Uh, so y'all behave. Uh, I'm kidding. But uh, more than that, he is also the head of our delegation to the General Conference, the Worldwide Conference of the United Methodist Church from here in North Georgia. And uh, he's also an inspiration to me. Anytime I'm in his presence or hear him speak, uh, I truly find something new about the faith or an encouragement for myself in my faith. And so I know the same will be true for us. So I invite you now to listen for God's word as brought to us by the Reverend Dr. Byron Thomas. Byron. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to bring greetings to you from Bishop Sue Harper Johnson and the cabinet, and also to express my appreciation for uh, Reverend Dr. Eric Lee for extending to me the invitation to be with you on this Sunday. Um, you have a fantastic uh, clergy team here and I'm grateful to be in the presence of friends and colleagues who are about making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Amen. Our scripture this morning is taken from Mark's Gospel, the fifth chapter, beginning with verse 24b through 34. It reads, a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. There was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhaging stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman knowing what had happened to her came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to pray with me, gracious and all-wise God, as we come. We simply ask in this preaching moment that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts 
be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, Amen. I'd like to speak with you from the subject, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. The title of this sermon is actually a quote from a speech given by the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. two months before he was assassinated. These words speak to the reality that there will be disappointment in life. And along with disappointment, there will be discouragement. But this quote also recognizes and acknowledges that there is something exceedingly and amazingly and abundantly and immeasurably greater than disappointment, and that is hope. It was something I was reminded of about a week and a half ago. My wife and I were in Dubai celebrating our 32nd wedding anniversary. And one of the places we decided to visit was the 2020 World Expo. It was an event that, like so many other things, uh, was intended to and scheduled to take place in 2020, but had to be rescheduled due to COVID-19. And when I went onto the 2020 World Expo website, there were several options listed for purchasing tickets. The first option was for those in the age range of 18 to 59. And the cost of the tickets when factoring in the exchange rate was a whopping $14.44. And so I checked the box next to this category since my wife was somewhere between the ages of 18 and 59. <laughs> the second category was for those age 60 and older and it said free. To which I said to myself rather gleefully that that's me. And so I checked the box next to this option. The next category was for ages 6 through 17. And for those who were in this age bracket, the tickets were also free. But then there was a final category. But it did not have an age requirement next to it. Rather, it simply said, people of determination. And these tickets were free. And while the option for those age 60 plus made me feel gleeful, the option entitled people of determination made me curious. It was a category that I had never, ever come across before. 
And so I did what I do when I don't know something. I Googled it. <laughs> and when I Googled it, I came upon some information that said the United Arab Emirates refers to people with disabilities as people of determination. And when I read this, it dawned on me that at some point in the history of the people of the United Arab Emirates, that someone understood, captured, codified, and then institutionalized the very spirit that was at the heart of what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was speaking of when he said we must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope. And the reason this struck me is that so often in my experience, people are defined by others according to their finite disappointments. Words such as handicapped and disabled and dysfunctional are used to not only describe persons, but very often they are used to define and sometimes even used to determine the upper limits of somebody's ability. Those who do this seem to be of the, the notion that it is as if what people may be dealing with or going through in their lives is all there is to their lives. Have you ever run into anybody who has treated you like they they encountered you at a time in your life when you were going through something and they will not let you go simply because they believe that that defines you, even when there is so much more to who you are. Such was the case, I believe, with the woman in our text, a woman who is described as someone who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. The text goes on to detail the reality of her daily disappointments. How after years and years of enduring much under many physicians and having spent all that she had, not only was she not better, but her health had actually declined. And as if her years of suffering were not enough, she lived in a society where the laws of the land and particularly the religious laws in effect made her already dire situation even worse. For religious law deemed that a woman with an issue of blood was considered ritually unclean. Undoubtedly it was a law put in place related to a woman's menstrual cycle. It was a law that required women who were experiencing their menstrual cycle to isolate themselves. No one could come near them and everything that they touched was considered unclean. And it is an example of how faith institutions can operate in such a way that serves to stigmatize and oppress people not because they have done anything wrong, but simply because of a failure to understand. The story of the woman in our text 
is an indictment on how faith communities can actually do harm. It is an example of how religious people can not only be punitive and oppressive, but how oppression can be accepted and institutionalized and normalized. And because the religious laws required her to live isolated from everyone else, lest she contaminate them. Not only was she stigmatized, but this woman lived where she was quite familiar with loneliness. She was literally dealing with life all by herself. For 12 years, this had been this woman's life. And while my heart goes out to this woman, my sadness is for a faith tradition whose approach and response to this woman's suffering was nothing short of a codified, legalized, and institutionalized oppression. My sadness is for an unenlightened faith tradition that instead of providing solace and comfort in the face of this woman's disappointments, life for her was made more difficult and miserable. And this is why I believe it is important for us to attend to this remarkable woman and what she might teach us. I believe, and it should not be lost on us, that the description of this woman's 12-year quest of going from one physician to another, of spending all her money to try and find a way to get better, that these are not simply the details describing what this woman went through, but it points to this woman's deep desire to not only get better, but not to allow her daily disappointments and the limitations of her illness to define who she was and the upper limits of her possibilities. In other words, this woman knew that there was so much more to her than what she was going through. She didn't just want to live, she wanted to get on with her purpose for being in this world. She was a person of determination, but her determination was rooted and grounded in the kind of infinite hope that comes when we know that we are in this world on purpose and with purpose. I admire this woman because the society in which she lived had stigmatized her, oppressed her and isolated her, and yet this woman knew that there was more to her life than the disappointments in her life. I hope that we know as people of faith that there are more, in fact, so much more to our lives than the disappointments that are in our lives. So much more. I admire this woman because she knew that in spite of everything else and everybody else treating her according to what she was going through, she knew that she was more, and as such, in her heart, 
this woman had infinite hope. And then one day, this woman, who lived with infinite hope in the midst of finite disappointment, heard that Jesus was coming into her neighborhood. And the Bible tells us that there was a crowd that pressed around Jesus. But the text goes on to tell us that this woman came up behind him in the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. Nowhere in this text does it say that she asked anybody for permission because she recognized that permission would not come from outside of herself. Sometimes when we live with intimate hope in our hearts and we find ourselves dealing with daily ongoing disappointments, especially in a society that has codified it and institutionalized it, what we hold in our hearts is what we have to operate from. Not seeking permission. Really, my sisters and brothers, being in touch with what our heart is telling us and where our heart is leading us. This woman of determination, a determination whose now actions were rooted in infinite hope, reached out to Jesus and she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. The text says immediately her hemorrhaging stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? In other words, in the minds of these disciples who then responded, anybody could have touched you. They did not understand that Jesus was not asking who brushed up against me, who accidentally bumped into me. No, who was it that touched me from a place of infinite hope because they had been dealing with finite disappointment every single day for the last 12 years of their life? Who touched me from that place? I want to call attention to the fact that this woman knew. Nobody told her, Jesus didn't even tell her, but she knew that if she but touched his cloak, that she would be made well. Many, many years ago, in fact, it was many, 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 many years ago when I was in college. <laughs> I was dating a young lady and I went over to the dorm because we were going out to dinner and while I was over there she was the, um, the RA for the entire dorm and one of the young ladies came down and complained that she had a migraine headache. And I had never had a migraine before but I understood from talking with so many people who had experienced them that they could be debilitating. But it was in that moment that God spoke to me. Now, I am not a person who considers myself to be a healer. But in that moment, 
God spoke to me and said, place your hands on her head. And so I asked her for permission and she allowed me to place my hands on her head. And I said, God said, all you have to do is believe and you'll be made well. This happened all within a matter of five seconds and then I left. The very next day, I was communicating with the lady that I was dating and she said, did you know that when you laid hands on her, that her migraine went away? And I knew it because there's a knowing that comes, and I'm talking about an assurance, a deep knowing that you don't get this knowledge from a book or no one has to tell you. It comes out of direct communication with God. It's that type of knowing. This is what this woman was operating with, the type of knowledge she had that if I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I will be made whole. No doubt about it. No, the physicians couldn't do it. But if I can just get in touch with Jesus, I'll be made whole. You know, my sisters and brothers, if we can just get in touch with Jesus, a lot of times things will turn out differently than they look like. Yes, it will. You find that Jesus asked who touched me and the woman finally came forward and said to him, everything that she had been going through for the past 12 years. And it was then that Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Right in the middle of the street. They didn't come into the church, but the church came to her. Right in the middle of a crowd, Jesus blessed this woman and said, go in peace because your life has not been very peaceful for the last 12 years. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And I've come to suggest to us today that the living out of infinite hope in the midst of finite disappointment and the healing that is available is not limited to this woman's experience. It has been several days now since many in the world have been dealing with the finite disappointment of the Russian military under Vladimir Putin invading the sovereign nation of Ukraine. Without provocation, Russia entered into the country and began their assault. Hundreds of thousands have fled their homes and their country. I believe that the power source that was available to this woman in our text is the same power source that is available to heal that land. I also believe that this is the place where the church of Jesus Christ needs to dwell. We can always talk about finite disappointments, but the world needs a church that camps out in infinite hope and possibilities because when we camp out an infinite hope and possibilities we do not define people by what they're going through but we define people according to the upper limits of their possibilities based upon what God leads them to do 
Don't you want to be around people who encourage you in the midst of your daily finite disappointments as opposed to those who oppress you? In the midst of this finite disappointment, let us be a people of infinite hope who reach out to Jesus. As an African-American pastor who has served in the United Methodist Church for over 25 years, I know the finite disappointment of having laws put in place that make it difficult for people like me to vote. I know what it feels like and the results of what can happen when laws are put in place that allows the results of elections to be overturned by some who disagree with the outcome of free and fair elections. But I not only know how I feel, but I understand the very real threat it poses to a democracy. And yet, while the feelings associated with this finite disappointment is real, like the woman in our text, the one and the source who is the ground of my hope and who defines for me the upper limits of what is possible, Jesus. I must stay close to him. I cannot tell you how or the ways that Jesus will intervene in our various situations when we reach out to touch Jesus out of a place of infinite hope. But what I do know is that Jesus frequently comes through our neighborhoods and I encourage us to press our way and stay in touch because he's got power that is available to each and every one of us. Amen.